I, I do a podcast. I'm not, I'm not interested in your podcast. Folks, these are, these are wolves. Truth be told, I, I oftentimes lay awake at night trying to figure out how I can get rid of wolves in the church. We are unabashedly, unashamedly Clarkian. And so the next few statements that I'm going to make, I'm probably going to step on all of the Vantillian toes at the same time. And this is what we do at Simple Reformanda Radio, you know. We are polemical and polarizing Jesus style. I would first say that to characterize what we do as fashion is itself fashion. It's not hate, it's history, it's not fashion, it's the Bible. Jesus said, Woe to you when men speak well of you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way, as opposed to blessed are you when you have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. It is on. We're taking the gloves off. It's time to battle. All right. I want to welcome everybody back to Semper Reformanda Radio. Basically, this is part two from last week, and we are going to pick up with the video that we were watching last week, the questions that Christians have for other Christians, and we're going to play that in a little bit, but we have uh, Carlos with us who's able to join us uh, from the beginning on this episode. Carlos is our other co-host, and uh, Joseph is our other co-host. They're both here with me now. So one of the things that I wanted to do with Carlos Montijo was read a couple of emails. So we, we got an email from uh, yeah. Adrian Clark. I don't know if that guy is related to Gordon Clark, but that would be awesome if he was. I, I don't think he is because he didn't say anything about it, but he says, uh, thank you for your ministry. Greetings from Spirit of Life Church in Bristol, UK. So Man, I'm I'm just so grateful, and I thank God that we're speaking to somebody in Bristol, the United Kingdom. I mean, that's that's pretty. I think that's pretty awesome. So thank God for modern technology that can be used for the glory of God. We pray that that this ministry would continue to do that. Um, I'm very grateful for all of the contributors that we have on this podcast, uh, all of the the, the co-hosts. Uh, you know, it's been it's been a wonderful blessing. We are planning on doing an interview with Tom Geoditis from the Trinity Foundation. I hope that I said his name right. I may not have. Uh, and then I'm also hoping to uh, interview somebody from the Brain Beacon, which is a, a ministry of uh, Richard Bennett, and uh, we've talked about him in the in the past. Um, we're hoping to get on. Some some guys who do street evangelism and interview them. Uh, I think that's going to be great. So we're we're really we're planning ahead and we're we're looking to promote other people. We're looking to promote other ministries. Uh, we're just so grateful for what God has done. Um, and so with all that being said, we wanted to go ahead and read another email. Uh, Carlos, did you want to lead us into this? Sure. Yeah. I don't know why this is so hard. You know. This whole synergism and uh, 
monergism stuff. It, it shouldn't be that difficult. But we got a, a, I guess, a sort of complaint email from Chris Harris of the Council of Google Plus about our comments on uh, uh, episode 47 when we were showing people, showing our listeners that, you know, Paul's statements about uh, conversion being synergistic, being very misleading and just not a, it's not a good way to explain things from the monergistic perspective, which is a Calvinist or reform perspective. And so uh, he kind of explains this in the email. So I'll just go ahead and start reading it. Uh, this is, so he says, in your episode number 47 recently, you guys accused Paul Kaiser, who is from Conversations from the Porch, of putting forth synergism in the system. I think he meant the reformed Ordo Salutis. Uh, this was untruthful. I found it rather concerning that Carlos would continue to conflate the term synergistic with the system of synergism. Like the like when Carlos at the 103 mark in the episode suggests uh, that to use the term synergistic in relation with conversion somehow would mean that one is affirming that faith precedes regeneration. What? Paul never once implied the theological system of synergism. And uh, again, I think... I don't know if I'm just going to comment here. We can comment here because the email's uh, a little bit long. So he said I that I was conflating the term synergistic with the system of synergism, and that's actually uh, that was actually our entire point. It's not me who was conflating it; it was Paul. Uh, first of all, anybody who knows basic English, and I'm not doing this to insult you know Chris or anything, uh, but. <laughs> If you know and understand English, synergistic is just the adjective form of the noun, synergism. So, I mean, or synergist. So, I mean, uh, I, don't see what, I don't see what the point is there. Because uh, we made our point very clear that Paul was trying to describe the correct view, but using synergism to describe monergism is actually extremely misleading and inappropriate because synergism means something completely different. Right, yeah, it's it's pretty fu it's pretty funny because uh, he he put up a a Facebook post and he said listening to SRR forty seven this was this was public it was, it was a Facebook post and he says you guys are at around the fifty four mark defined synergistic with the theological belief of synergists why <laughs> for the very same reason yeah. that synergistic or synergistic is just the adjective form of the noun synergism. And so I would submit that you would have to redefine synergism or, or provide your own definition for synergism if you want to define it in a, in a, in a way that, that is different from the, what has traditionally been known as the theological system of, uh, of synergism. Uh, it's, to me, it was, it was pretty baffling, but um, he, uh, you know, he, he did accuse us of twisting what Paul said um, I asked him for direct quotes uh, that that would show that we we did twist what Paul said. I, I don't think that we we twisted what Paul said. I, I, I pointed out to him that you said at the 59 minute mark, around the 45 seconds, uh, you said uh, Vincent put his finger on the problem because he said maybe we have a different understanding of synergistic because synergism is the Arminian view. Uh, then you went on to say, I do think Paul was perhaps explaining the right position, but using the wrong terms to explain it. And yeah. so I, I tried to point out to him that, you know, we didn't twist what Paul said. And um, the other thing is uh, he, he gave us Burkhoff. He, he wanted us to read uh, Louis Burkhoff because he thinks that Louis Burkhoff uh, supports the view that, that conversion is synergistic. 
and what I got from that is that Burkhoff actually doesn't use the word synergistic in support of the reformed view, but when Burkhoff uses the, the term synergistic, it's in the negative sense, and he actually talks about it being the Arminian view, if, if I remember correctly. Um, you, you sent the quotes. And and we were reading through Burkhoff, and we even thought that Burkhoff uh, may have contradicted himself a little bit because uh, he talks about... Well, uh, yeah, we can read the quotes right now. We're going to read the quotes and everything. But before we dive too much into that, uh, I did want to kind of just say something more generally about this whole back-and-forth discussion. Like, I, I'm getting a little bit tired of this, you know. Like, I, I'm getting really tired of having to re-say or restate what we actually said and people twisting everything that we're saying. It's getting very annoying, and it's just sloppy for people. To, to make these claims and these, these accusations that are not true. Um, so I, I'm going to commend or, you know, I would encourage, uh, you know, Mr. Harris to listen more carefully to what we're saying and to to be more careful. And in, 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 if you have an address, if you're trying to address a concern uh, from us, like actually represent what we're saying accurately because that's not true. Like what you just said, you gave the timestamps and you explained We've made it very clear what, what our problem is. You should not use the term synergism to describe monergism, plain and simple. We gave you well, the definition uh, of the historical. You should not use the term synergistic because you said synergism. And yeah, it doesn't matter. You, you shouldn't use any of it to describe monergism or the monergistic view. It's the same thing. Uh, it's a, I think that's a word concept fallacy, actually. Yeah, no, I, I know. I'm just, oh, man, it's, it's yeah. so frustrating because it's like I, I could just hear them saying like, he said synergism, and we're saying synergistic, and there's a there's a difference. You know, yeah, it, it's right. so frustrating. And, and yeah, there there might be a word concept fallacy in there. Um, uh, that's actually that's really good. I, I didn't think about that, but go ahead. It's referring Please. to because it's referring to the same thing. And what but the problem is that what Paul is doing, he's trying to redefine the terms outside of their historical and theological context, and so. Even well, even in the sense that you you described that he was trying to describe synergism, we do not cooperate with God in our conversion. Plain and simple. It's not synergistic. Conversion is not synergistic because God gives us faith. He gives us repentance. Both are gifts from God, as the Bible clearly states. And we simply respond by faith and repentance because God gives it to us first. It's not a cooperation. It's just not a cooperation in the first place at all. So... Um, we will gladly take Chris to task on this, um, you know, and what, what what's also a little bit irritating is that, um, you know, him taking issue with what we're saying and at the same time not really being at all concerned with the fact that with the false, uh, the twisting of my motives and, and, and false claims that I supposedly made that, you know, Paul and uh, Pastor Paul and, and Ryan made about me and my motives and my right. and, and what and I, I, I yeah, and I pointed that out to him. I, I, I said, you know, if you're going to be consistent and be griping about us, you know, you should also be, you know, pointing out the, what they're doing. It's yeah, like, it's, well, it's hypocritical. Then that is yeah, hypocritical. Yeah, it, it is hypocritical. So here's the thing. And we I, would want to submit that to What did you say? Just that we would submit that to, to you know, Brother Chris, that that is that is hypocritical to, to make that claim because – what he's actually saying is false about us. Well, and not only that, but look, we, we actually provided the quotations yeah. of what they actually said, and he's not done that. 
He's right. not provided the quotations. So I was pretty irritated by that. So the, the other thing is, it is very misleading for you to use the word synergistic and, and then find fault with us if we think that you're implying any form of synergism as if we are the ones who have the problem here. It's like, well, then don't yeah. use the term synergistic if you don't want it to be confused with synergism. And look, we don't think that Paul is, is, say, is purporting the, the Arminian view, uh, you know, the, the whole system of synergism. We think that he's trying to say the right thing, but he's using the wrong term. And here's the problem. If you're going to use that term, what do you think people are going to think when you use the term synergistic. Hold on. Yeah. Real, 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 real uh, synergism. Yeah, 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 they do. Yes. Yeah, the words have meaning. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like, yeah. oh, we're at fault because you're using a, 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 the adjective of a noun that you don't want us to use the noun. I mean, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you're making a mess of this. Just don't use that word. Yeah. You're making a mess of this. All right. So, anyways, um, did you? I'll keep reading the the email. Yeah. So he continues and says, "I too am a supra, uh, supralapsarian. That is, but would readily affirm that conversion entails an aspect of synergism. This view doesn't hurt reformed theology in the least, nor does it entail that one holds to the theological system of synergism. Let's not conflate the term with a system." Do you, did you know that classical Arminians would readily affirm that prevenient grace is a monergistic work of God? That doesn't mean that they affirm the theological system of monergism. It just means that even they would affirm that God works uni unilaterally at times. It's like, oh, oh, man, this was so bad. This just keeps getting worse. So we kind of already talked about this a little bit. but here, And this is why we actually took, we did take issue with what Paul was trying to explain or were trying to define. Because that is incorrect to say that we cooperate with God in our conversion. We do not. It's we we've made that clear uh, right. already. We cooperate with God because of our conversion. We do not cooperate with yeah. God in our conversion. Co our cooperation of God is not what brings us through conversion. It is because of what God has done. He has given us the gift of faith. He has given us the gift of repentance that we are then able to do these things, and it is because he has converted us. So this point needs to be emphatically clear. We cooperate with God because of conversion or as, as a result of conversion. We do not cooperate with God in our conversion because we add nothing to it. This right. really seems like he wants to be able to have us kicking into two. It's like a three-point three Calvinist. They, they like the idea of being something of a Calvinist, but don't uh, adhere to all of it. To say you cooperate with God in, you, in salvation in any way, and then say that, you, that you're monergistic, is just, just to contradict yourself. Um, yeah. you, you can't say you hold on to both of those things. But let's employ the laws of logic, the law of non-contradiction, and then be done with it, because what you're saying is contradictory, refutes itself. Uh, you can't have both. Um, and so if you hold to that, you just, you're not saying something that's true. You're just contradicting yourself. Yeah. It's, I don't, I'm not sure I follow the point The you know, the classical Arminianism would affirm that prevenient grace is monergistic. That doesn't mean that they are from the theological system of monergism. It's like, okay, I, I really, I'm not following you because despite the fact that they held to that, the Synod of Dort still condemned the remonstrance in the Arminians as, as a heresy. And they kicked everybody out 
or excommunicated everybody who held to it. So I don't understand the point. I don't even know how that's relevant, to be honest. It's like it it's very dangerous what they are doing, and we're showing why, okay? The Reformed theologians who they are trying to appeal to, none of them use the term synergism to describe their monergistic view, and it's for a pretty good reason. And we've pointed that out already. It's like it's like people aren't listening to our show, or it's like people just aren't getting it, or I don't know what it is. Like you need to you need to look at th what this stuff actually means because when you start describing conversion as a synergistic process, you start to sound like Philip Melanchthon and his Armenian compromise that led to the, a very dangerous compromising form of Lutheranism that really affected them negatively, because he basically claimed that there's three concurrent causes in conversion, that the, that it was the Word of God, that it was the Spirit of God, and that it was human will. And that's essentially what synergism means, that your human will is cooperating with God in conversion, and that's not true. It's just not true. It's false. Stop saying that. It's wrong. You're wrong. Well, so stop right. saying that. Right, yeah. Plain and simple. And, and, and um, also, you know, you said that Reformed theologians don't use term synergistic and and we would again just point out that even uh chris is pointing out uh pointing us to lewis burkhoff I, I don't see him using the term synergistic favorably yeah for right he only uses the term he only uses the term twice in his entire systematic theology and in both senses he uses it in a, in a negative sense because he's a, he's attributing he's using the term as it's always been understood in the armenian sense which is what a careful theologian does right so i mean um, <clears throat> it's kind of reckless to do that. You, 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 to just pick up terms like that out of their historical theological sense, definitional sense, and then try to redefine them to, to, in, to, 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 uh, describe the very view that's the exact opposite of what it's, it's the exact opposite of what the, what the term means, you know? So right. I'll just finish reading the quote here and then we can get a little bit more into the, into the, our, our arguments. Yeah. So he finishes by saying, your name implies that you are always reforming. Show that and look into this more. Dig into the implications in John 1, 11 through 13. John makes the clear distinction that between being born of God, 1, 13, and conversion, 1, 12, and that being born of God entails no act of man, no act of man's will, but that conversion, receiving, believing, is an act of man's will, and as such entails a cooperative working conversion. Okay, that, that is a total contradiction. Because John 1.13 actually specifically says that it was not by the will of man. And he actually misdefined conversion as well because he said receiving and believing. I'm not sure. It sounded like he was trying to define conversion as receiving and believing, but the historical theological definition of the term means repentance and faith. So, I mean, we well, do not cooperate with God in our conversion. That's not reformed at all. That's not what the Bible teaches us. Right. And John 1.13 actually millet it actually contradicts you. So why is this so hard? You know? Yeah. So uh Carlos, I think you know, I think that he's caught up with the idea that Burkhoff says that we cooperate with God in our conversion. Uh we wouldn't agree with that. And we would actually say that Burkhoff contradicts himself because he says that man is is passive. I'm I'm looking for that that um that quotation, if you have it, that would be great. Do you remember we talked about that? I'm, I'm trying to look it up right now. Yeah, let me just, actually, Tim, if you want, if you can finish reading his email, and I'll look for the quotes. I actually don't know where you left off. Okay, I found the quote. Yeah, let me just, I'll just finish reading it. Okay. Uh, so, 
he says, now this is this in no way entails that man adds anything to his conversion because we readily agree that faith is a gift of God. Okay, so then stop describing it as synergistic. Because if you say that we cooperate in conversion, then that does describe some level of merit or credit or uh, necessary act uh, from man in order to get to conversion. Again, the Reformed faith does not hold to a synergistic view of conversion. That's just simply wrong. Um, anyway, so he, he continues, we simply affirm that man exercises this gift of faith. He is not a robot. Uh, this same view is played out in sanctification in that we perform the works, although the works are not wrought from within ourselves, which entails a synergistic, synergistic aspect in sanctification. And again, this is why we, in our, if you go back to episode 47 and listen to what we actually said, um, we describe that that chart, that little chart that Pastor Paul had brought up was actually very misleading because it shows God and man both under uh, conversion and sanctification as if it was sort of in the same sense. And that, again, it's very misleading. It's false and it's not the Reformed view. It's not correct to say that, to say that in the same way in our sanctification, we're cooperating with God to be sanctified just as in, as, as in conversion, we cooperated with God to get to conversion. Okay, and that's not what he's saying, but it's contradiction. Like you can't use it in the same sense at all. Right. Um, well, what I what I find uh, sort of difficult here is that we're saying that this is not the reformed view, and then Chris, <laughs> I thought he was a NCT guy. Yeah, he oh, sounded like it to me too. I was surprised. I, and then he says, "No, I'm reformed Baptist," and I'm like, "Oh, well." Um, you could have fooled me, that's for sure. Yeah, and not only that, but it's like, well. Uh, just because you're Reformed Baptist doesn't mean you're ac accurately representing the Reformed position on this. So right. um, some people might be tempted to say, oh, look, we found a Reformed Baptist who, uh, you know, a Reformed guy who agrees with us. It's like, well, so what? It's, you know, false appeal to authority there. But oh, let's let's go ahead and dig into that um, the little yeah, inconsistency so that, even, that we found. Even though we still stand on everything that we said, and we did our homework and we presented the, the arguments very clearly, very plainly. And there is no there is no question that Reformed theologians do not use the term synergism to describe the Reformed view. Okay. And and even in the sense of sanctification, it's misleading, right? Because it implies that we're cooperating with God to sanctify ourselves, but really it's God who sanctifies us, it's not us. So that in that in itself is misleading. Even even in sanctification. Because, sure, the Bible says to, to exercise yourselves into godliness, so there is a level that we, uh, you can say in some sense that, yeah, okay, we, we should practice ourselves into godliness and, or into sanctification, because what we do does hinder our sanctification. It can hinder or it can be an aid to that in the sense that, like, well, yeah, if you don't read your Bible, you're not going to get sanctified by God. But the sanctification is not from us, it's from God. So... Even then, it's misleading because there, we are not cooperating with God on the, on the same or on level terms. It's just it's not appropriate to use the term synergistic or synergism in any one of those terms uh, levels, whether you're talking about conversion or whether you're talking about sanctification. But even even though we already did that and we made our case very clear and we still stand on everything that we said, we still went ahead and did even more homework. So. Uh, Burkhoff starts off by, well, he makes a distinction between active and passive conversion. And here's his definition. He says, active conversion is that act of God whereby he causes the regenerated sinner in his conscious life to turn to him in repentance and faith. 
uh, passive conversion is the resulting conscious act of the regenerated sinner whereby he, through the grace of God, turns to God in repentance of faith. And this is exactly what we've been describing. That's why it's not synergistic, because God causes us to believe. We do not cooperate with God to get to our conversion. It's a result. It's a response to God giving it to us. And so, but here again, so uh, Burkhoff, he continues by saying uh, later on, I think, that um, in addition to that, he says, uh, section F, the, uh, he has a whole chapter on conversion. And so in section F, which is called the author of conversion, says, one, God is the author of conversion. God only can be called the author of conversion. This is a clear teaching of scripture in Psalms 85.4. The poet prays, turn us, O God, of our salvation. And in Jeremiah 31.18, Ephraim says, prays, turn thou me and I shall be turned. A similar prayer is found in Lamentations 5.21. In Acts 11.18, Peter calls attention to the fact that God has granted unto the Gentiles repentance unto life. A similar statement is found in 2 Timothy 2.25. There is a twofold operation of God in the conversion of sinners, the one moral and the other hyperphysical. In general, it may be said that he works repentance by means of the law, Psalm 19.7, Romans 3.20, and faith by means of the gospel, Romans 10.17. Yet we cannot separate these two, for the law also contains a presentation of the gospel, and the gospel confirms that the law uh, that the law also confirms the law and threatens with its terrors. Second Corinthians 5:11. But God also works in an immediate hyperphysical manner in conversion. The new principle of life that is implanted in the regenerate man does not issue into conscious action by its own inherent power, but only through the illuminating and fructifying influence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, John 6:44, Philippians 2:13. To teach otherwise would be Lutheran and Arminian. So then he continues in uh, section two, I think. Man cooperates in conversion. And I think this is what uh, uh, Brother Chris was referring to with respect to Lewis uh, Burkhoff saying that conversion or implying that conversion is synergistic. Right. Yeah. It says, yeah. So man cooperates in conversion, but God through, but God only is the author of conversion. It is of great importance to stress the fact over against a false pass, uh, passivity that there is a certain cooperation of man in conversion. Dr. Kuiper calls attention to the fact that in the Old Testament, Shub is used 74 times of conversion as a deed of man and only 15 times of conversion as a gracious act of, of God. And that the New Testament represents conversion as a deed of man 26 times and speaks it only two or three times as an act of God. It should be borne in mind, however, that this activity of man is always a result or results from a previous work of God and man, Lamentations 5.21. So uh, this is what we've pretty much what we've been saying, that uh, man is really a man's uh, act of faith and repentance is actually a response and a gift of God, not a, not a cooperative process to get there, you know, somehow requiring something from man uh, to get to conversion and repentance. But it actually, uh, it kind of sounds like, uh, what's his name, uh, Burkhoff might be contradicting himself there because he actually said that passive uh, conversion is passive and uh, whereby we, through the grace of God, turn to God in repentance and faith. So here it sounds like he's, he might be contradicting himself a little bit, um, but he's trying to affirm that man actually does something, which is what they are also with Chris and Pastor Paul trying to affirm as well, that man, man is not a robot and God does not mechanically... Uh, have faith or repentance for him uh, but still that's that's again that's not actually that's a little bit misleading and, and again 
Burkhoff never uses the term synergistic to describe the monergistic view, the reform view. So that is, that is, that's still wrong on their part to do that. And uh, I think here are some quotes where he actually does use synergistic. Uh, later on in this uh, systematic theology, he says, The canons of Dort, after calling attention to the many weaknesses and failures of the children of God, declare, But God, who is rich in mercy, according to his unchangeable purpose of election, does not wholly withdraw the Holy Spirit from his own people, even in their grievous falls, nor suffers them to proceed so far as to lose the grace of adoption and forfeit the state of justification, or to commit the sin unto death or against the Holy Spirit, nor does he permit them to be totally deserted and uh, to plunge themselves into everlasting destruction. The Arminians rejected this view and made the perseverance of believers dependent on their will and to believe unto their good works. Uh, Arminius himself avoided that extreme, but his followers did not hesitate to maintain their synergistic position with all its consequences. The Wesleyan Arminians followed suit, as did several of the sects. The Reformed, Cal the Reformed or Calvinic churches stand practically alone and giving the negative answer to the question whether a Christian can completely fall from the state of grace and be finally lost. So there you go. He's describing synergistic, synergistic Mr. Harris to the Arminians. Okay, because that's what he's referring to. It's, it's, there's not, we, this is not that hard. Okay, this is really not that hard. Uh, we're being tongue-in-cheek here, and we're not trying to be disrespectful, but we're just pointing out the fact that what they're saying is simply wrong. Right. We're not the ones that need to reform ourselves or that we need to do our homework. We're doing our homework and we even going a step further. Okay, so, um, and I think uh, I think he actually, he, this is the second time where, that's the first time where Burkhoff refers to it. This is the second time. Uh, in second, uh, section F called the, the efficient cause of regeneration. There are only three fundamentally different views that come into consideration here. And all the others are modifications of these. Number one, the human will. According to the Pelagian conception, regeneration is solely an act of the human will and practically identical with self-reformation. With some slight differences, this is the view of modern liberal theology. A modification of this view is that of semi-Pelagian and Arminian, who regarded as, at least in part, an act of man cooperating with divine influences applied through the truth. This is the synergistic theory of regeneration. Both of these views involve a denial of total depravity of man, so plainly taught in the Word of God, John 5.42, Romans 3, 9 through 18, 7, 18, and 23, uh, 8 and 7, 8, uh, I'm sorry, Romans 8, 7, 2 Timothy 3, 4, and of the scriptures, uh, and of the scripture truth that God is who inclines the will, not man, to conversion or to regeneration. Romans 9.16, uh, Philippians 2.13. So those are the two senses. Those are the two times where Burkhoff uses the term synergistic or synergism, and it's in a negative sense, applying it to Arminians, which is what any re responsible or careful, or anybody who's actually read where synergism come from comes from, would understand this, you know, because it's not referring to the reform view at all. So there you have it. Uh, pretty right. and simple. And that's that's basically what we did. We tried to lay out why we yeah. think that it's problematic to use that word. Uh, we think that it's misleading. We think that uh, it, it it's it's confusing uh, to 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 use that that word. Um, so you know, look, I think I just want to leave it there. Like you said, I'm Amen. I'm tired of this. Uh, I'm I'm tired of this myself. But uh, 
you know, I would submit that Burkhoff agrees with us, uh, and you know, to at least to the point where we we don't th- we we do think that he contradicted himself a little bit, but um, you know, we we wouldn't agree with that. But um, so yeah, I mean, find me uh, find me where Burkhoff uses synergistic to support the reformed view. Um, yeah, and and you know what. Just to put a little cherry on top of this, um, I also consulted other works, and uh, one of those is uh, uh, Michael Horton's Systematic Theology, which is, I think, called, uh, I forgot what it's called, The Christian Faith or something like that. Um, But it's funny because Michael Horton actually, he uses the term synergistic or synergism about 30 times. And guess how many times of, of those 30 or 29 are negative and being applied to the Arminian view? Anybody um, want to take a wild guess there? All of them. Every single one of them. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Here's the thing. We stand by what we said in that episode with regards to this issue. This is not the Reformed position. I don't care if you're a Reformed Baptist. This is not the Reformed position. If you think it is, I think you're confused. And, you know, we've, we've debated whether or not we should ask Chris to come on the show. I don't really want to invite him on because he's accusing us of twisting what Paul said while ignoring the fact that they twisted what we said. And, you know, it's like, hey, if that's the level of your, um, you know, if that's where we're at, like... Uh, you know, and if you're gonna if you're gonna say that we're twisting what they said without providing quotes, look, we've we've shown ourselves to be correctable, teachable. If we did misrepresent and twist him, twist his words, we would be happy to correct it. But you know, we're not. Look, and here's the other thing: we firmly believe that these guys are brothers in the Lord. We are not calling them heretics. I need to make that very clear. We are not calling them heretics. I don't. I don't want to be accused of saying that that you know they're heretics or that they, you know, that is not what we're saying. We just, you know, this is an in-house discussion. And and here's the thing: this is not the hill that we want to die on. So at this point, I'm perfectly fine with just, you know, I'm I'm perfectly fine with letting it go. I'd rather move on to other things, other topics. We have so much to talk about that I don't. Yeah. I don't really, even right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be here yeah. all day and talking yeah. about this. I, I I agree. You know, if we want to, we will. If we don't, we won't. So be it. Whatever. Uh, but I do. I I want to give this 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 admonition, this this making it seem like we're the sloppy ones or that we're the ones that are not doing our homework. Again. You know, we're going to submit this once again as an admonition to both Pastor Paul and Chris Harris from Council of Google, uh, Google Plus. You guys are the ones that need to consider this more carefully and stop using terms out of their historical, theological, and definitional context. And you guys are the ones that are that are completely disregarding Reformed theologians and not being careful with your arguments. So we submit this to both of them and to whoever agrees with them on this. And... We also want to point out the fact that there's this twisting of our motives and of what we actually said um, that people have yet to apologize for publicly. Not that, not, not that we care, you know, we're over it. But again, as Christians, we should be 
uh, in our we should be discussing things more carefully in the spirit of brotherly love and recognizing that when you're wrong, you're wrong. Okay, uh, we just want to submit this admonishment to them and move on because we're not wrong on this. I'm sorry, uh, plain and simple. Yeah. All right. That's so it. let's go ahead and play a commercial, um, and we will be back in a minute. And we'll, we'll wrap up these questions from this video that we played. We'll go ahead and play the video again for this week's episode. And we will wrap it up. Okay? All right. Be right back. Looking for that perfect track for your next evangelism outreach? Look no further. At TrackedPlanet.com, we have solid biblical tracks that are a breeze to hand out. They are beautifully designed and are the highest quality tracks available. With over 80 different designs in stock and literally hundreds more available by custom order, we're sure to have just the right one for you. You can get any of our items printed with your church or ministry information or have us design a brand new tract just for you. We are committed to the solid biblical message of law to the proud and grace to the humble. Each tract is firm on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the necessity of repentance and faith in salvation. Come check us out at TrackedPlanet.com and make sure you use coupon code BTWN at checkout for 10% off your entire order. That's TRACTPlanet.com, coupon code BTWN. Undoubtedly visiting New Jersey is on your bucket list, and this is your opportunity. July 7th through the 8th, Tom's River, New Jersey, Striving for Eternity, presents their 10th anniversary Jersey Fire Conference, preaching on the attributes of God. And then when you get your head filled with knowledge, you go out on the streets and declare it with seasoned evangelists like Andrew Rappaport and the Bible-thumping wingnut. Learn more at jerseyfire.org. This podcast is a member of the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. All right, welcome everybody to another podcast episode with Semper Reformanda Radio. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. Welcome everyone to the Logical Belief Ministries podcast. Well, welcome to the School of Biblical Harmonetics. Welcome everybody to Grappling with Theology. What is going on, guys? Shine as lights coming at you. Well, welcome to Slick Answers. Good evening and welcome to the Conversations from the port. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bible Thumping Wingnut Podcast. The Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. Ten podcasts, one network. Check them out. BibleThumpingWingnut.com. Ding dong! Jehovah's Witnesses. Ding dong! Mormons. Christian, are you ready to defend the faith when false religions ring your doorbell? Do you know what your Muslim and Jewish friends believe? You will if you get Andrew Rappaport's book, What Do They Believe? When we witness to people, we need to present the truth, but it is very wise to know what they believe, and you will get Andrew Rappaport's book at whatdotheybelieve.com. All right, we are back. So let's go ahead and play that little YouTube video again so that way the people from this week can at least have a context for what we're talking about. And we're going to pick up on, I think it was question number 15. So let's just go ahead and play the video and, uh, and we'll talk about it afterwards. Do you really think he's freaking out because his name is not on a cup that you get to hold for 10 minutes while you drink a pumpkin spice latte? <laughs> 
Why does Christian music always sound like a mixture of like Nickelback and Third Eye Blind? Did your devotions actually happen if you didn't post about it on Instagram? How come we all love Tim Tebow? I mean, I do love him. I just don't know why. Why can't you just pray? Why does it have to be a prayer and then like someone in the background being like, bing, 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 bing. Yeah, how come everyone's still supporting Donald Trump? Why are we so afraid to talk about sex? Sex is good. Have you read Song of Solomon? How come we all love Chick-fil-A? Why do you think Facebook is an appropriate place to discuss theology? Why when Paul said that we all have our own individual gifts, that we feel the need to fit into this absolutely perfect mold? That's impossible. Why are we as Christians more known by the things we hate than by our acts of love? Why do you think Christianity and science are incompatible? If anything, science makes God look a lot cooler. Why are you so adamant about exercising your religious freedoms, but then get so offended when people of other faith exercise their religious freedoms? Why do you feel like I have to constantly be preaching in order to be a good Christian? Is showing my friends love and grace not allowed to just speak for itself sometimes? How come there's a church on every block, but for some reason we can't figure out a way to work together? Why is there so much racism, sexism, and homophobia in the church? Galatians 3.28 says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, nor male nor female, for all one in Christ Jesus. So doesn't that pretty much tell you that none of that stuff matters? Why, when the main message of the Bible is to love one another, that we choose to do the opposite? How come when we talk about men having several wives in the Old Testament, we say cultural context, but then when we talk about marriage today, it's strictly one man and one woman? Why does having a diverse group of friends make me less Christian? Why does the church consider LGBT Christians as less than? I don't remember there being a demographic of people that Jesus saw as less than. You know all that grace and forgiveness and love we've all received? How come we can't find a way that extend that to other people. Why do you feel like love the sinner and hate the sin is an okay thing to say? You realize that's condescending and still separating them as an other, right? Why do you think you can judge my relationship with God off of a handful of statements? You get mad at me for not being able to back up what I have to say, but you end up taking scripture out of context so many times. What makes you decide what makes me a good Christian? Last I checked, everyone's relationship with God is personal, in the end, the grand message here is that you're supposed to love one another. And I'm sorry if I sound like a Hallmark after school special, but it's the truth. All right, so that was the video. And I correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I think we we're on question number 15. Was that right? From last week's episode? I'm not sure. 16. Uh 16. No, yeah, f question number 15. All right. And so this question is actually posed by the guy that we were talking about that has a uh, I would say quite a big following. He does the uh, the Church Planters uh, YouTube video. He's a comedian. He's a Christian comedian. But uh, question number 15 says, how come there's a church in every block, but for some reason we can't figure out a way to work together? So what do you guys, how would you guys answer that? What do you guys think? Because no, they're not all Christian churches. I mean, I mean, so so what we can't do is just assume because a place has uh, has some some nice sounding name attached to Christian or church or Christ or whatever that they're that they're a Christian church. Um, I think that that we do a, a really big service by not pointing out uh, that places aren't churches uh, if they're not. So um, so that that being that being said, I mean that that's that's the primary reason why why they don't work together. Um, I'll give you an example of my church in my. Uh, in, a, in the town that I live in, Kingsburg, uh, there's an uh, ecumenical um, group, um, and they're a group of, of professing churches 
uh, and they do a pulpit swap. Well, there's a Roman Catholic uh, congregation that's part of that. And, and he gets to speak in their pulpit and they speak in his pulpit and they all kind of let this, well, our church isn't part of that because that's wrong. Because um, the Roman Catholic Church is a false gospel. And so we can't, we can't be a part of that as a reason why we don't get along is because we care more about the truth than the appearance of unity. Yeah, I've, I've, you know, and I've talked about this before, I think uh, much earlier on, on uh, our podcast, but I remember going to Austin, Texas uh, with my wife and, um, and we were visiting one of her friends and driving around downtown Austin, I remember seeing these beautiful church buildings. And then a lot of them were displaying the, the rainbow flag on their premise as a, as a means of, of saying, hey, we're, we're LGBTQ friendly. We, we you know, and it made me think like, man, there's a church in every single corner but a lot of these, I would say, are probably a synagogue of Satan. If you are, if you are promoting the very things that God hates, uh, if you're promoting sin, then I just don't like. There's no way that I could partner with you. And so I would, I would have to ask this, uh, this guy, you know, what do you think constitutes a church, and what do you think that we should uh, come together to work on? Uh, or figure out a way to work together. What what, do you, what should we work together on? Because here's the thing: I see a lot of people wanting to come together with Roman Catholicism to tackle issues like uh, abortion. Right? Look, I don't need the Roman Catholics to help me tackle the issue of abortion. As a matter of fact, get out get out of my way. You're you, you know get get behind me. Like I I don't I don't want you to to give people a false sense of hope and what this does is it compromises spiritual warfare for social warfare and the problem is is that when when you when you do this you are presenting yourself to the world as somebody who is affirming roman catholicism and what does that do for people who maybe are coming into the faith or maybe are are hearing about Christianity for the first time, they're thinking, hey, we're all, you know, in the same group, we're all in the same camp, we're all Christians, we all love the Lord. No, we don't. Um, you're these people over here, they're antichrist. I'm I'm going to and it's almost like, okay, I'm going to deal with the issue of abortion and then I'm at the very same time going to say, hey, you're not a Christian. You need to repent and believe the gospel, and then tell you know the mother, hey, your your child is fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, it's it's your child is a gift from God, and and try to talk her out of going in and having an abortion. I don't need their help. I don't want their help. Um, look, and, and I'm not willing to compromise spiritual warfare for the sake of social warfare. Um, you guys can comments on, on anything that I said. Let me, I'm trying to understand uh, the, the, <clears throat> what, what the, what they're trying to get at, you know, are they saying that we should coexist and we should find as much common ground as possible and try to, uh, you know, cooperate on things that like, you know, 
opposing abortion together or or things like that is that is that what they're saying is that what they're getting at or are they just saying that that we should act as if we had no differences whatsoever and just that you know just sing kumbaya and act like you know truth does is relative and there's no actual meaning to words or is i'm, I'm trying to see where they land on this well, I guess uh, my, my question to you for that is, does it matter which one of those it is? Because it doesn't seem like either one of those is good. Um, if we're if we're compromising on doctrine, we can't do either one of those. Yeah. Um, right. None of those is acceptable because um, this is very unpopular, especially in our day, to say that ecumenism or ecumenicism, however you want to say it, both and are a sin. That is a sin and it's a sinful compromise. Uh, because if you want to go and look at the Bible and try to find any justification for ecumenism, um, you're not going to find it because in every single case, you can look up any example that you want from the Old Testament or the New Testament or anywhere. Um, God hates and in any way, shape, or form being compared to or being brought down to the same level of a false religion that is a, a pushing a false God. Um, you want to look up a good example with Elijah and the false prophets of Baal, or was it Baal or Balaam? I forget which one. It's probably Baal. Um, there, there is no, there is just no way you can defend this as a Christian or from the Bible. I mean, what ended up happening was that God ended up. There was a challenge, right? Elijah challenged the opposing false god religion, and the false god lost. And not only that, but Elijah actually mocked them. He mocked their God, saying that he must be using the restroom right now because he's not showing up. And God did. God not only – he threw water because were, I guess the challenge was to see who can make fire manifest, right, or burn the logs or whatever it was. And he threw water just to add just, – just to show people that there's no question that God, Yahweh of the Bible, is the only true God and everything else is a lie and it's false. And to show any kind of – implication or image or portrayal as as being in the same level in any way shape or form that god is willing to cooperate with a false religion or a false god in any way shape or form is misleading it's false it's sinful and is a sin that should be repented of um so all of these ecumenical compromises tying to evangelicals and catholics together or the manhattan declaration which by the way richard bennett and a lot of sound ministries like the trinity foundation have called out um, I think actually Sproul has actually, has, and MacArthur even has spoken against both of those things. Um, those are actually very good resources to turn to, by the way, um, because I, I do remember research, researching MacArthur's um, criticism of evangelicals and Catholics together, as well as Sproul's. But but there's a lot of people who are, you even call themselves reform, who who have no problem with it. You know, like uh, I believe Ligon Duncan actually was in support of the Manhattan Declaration. And it's just kind of weird to me, you know, it gets very weird and awkward because MacArthur ended up inviting Ligon Duncan to several of these Shepherds conferences and it's like, he actually, didn't he criticize the Manhattan Declaration? So it's like, a lot of this stuff starts to get very awkward and, and just wrong, and it just makes a mess, you know, like you, the consistent biblical position is to not ever give the impression that we are on the same, even if superficially we would agree, that abortion may be wrong or that, um, you know, uh, uh, homosexuality is wrong or that they would agree to that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because there's, it's just, it's superficial, you know, like our reasons are completely different 
and there's no way there's just no way and I, and that that's what's going to make everybody that's makes this made very unpopular in this day and age of 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 where it's all just about making truth relative and making us focus on what we do agree on rather than what we disagree on as if it didn't really matter and so yeah uh not gonna happen yeah all right let's go to the next question um how come there's so much racism sexism and homophobia in the church galatians 3:20 says there's neither jew nor greek neither uh neither slave nor free nor male or female for we are all one in christ jesus so doesn't that pretty much tell you that none of that stuff really matters okay i think i just threw up in my mouth yeah that there is um so uh, there isn't there isn't racism sexism and homophobia i think as there's a hatred of, of sin so i don't want to say there isn't i hate the term homophobia um in the in the church that was a total mess yeah that was a total hold mess. on let me, let me just point out here that the the phrase in adam is speaking of uh of federal headship that we are in adam um you're either in adam or you're in uh, i'm sorry it, the phrase in christ is speaking of federal headship that we are either in christ or or we are in adam and so um the this person talking about racism, sexism, homophobia, and the church. Um, it doesn't really matter what race you are. Um, you know, that's not a disqualifying factor. But um, if you're a practicing homosexual, I would say that you're not in Christ, that you are still in Adam. Well, that if, you're, if you're a practicing racist, you're the same thing. Right, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, um, because you know, like First John says, uh, is it First John uh, about yeah. uh, hating your brother that that yeah, you're not? You yeah. It, it, well, this is how you know you love God is you love His children. Right. Um, and so and so if you if you you know if you're if you're angry at your brother, it's like you murder him. We know no murderers go to heaven. Um, I mean that that those are the ideas. So it's a if you don't love your brother in Christ. Um, and and are willing, you know, and, and no greater love being willing to sacrifice yourself for, um, than than you're not, um, right? You're not a brother. And, and so what's what's really interesting is is the the person actually throws in an actual sin, racism, with, um. Okay, so let, let me let me think through this. We, There's we, so many category errors in this yeah, assumption this is, and false assumptions behind what they're saying that it, it's just there's no way you can even be how can you okay, the first one is how can you try to say that in Christ these things don't matter and at the same time hold to something that Christ himself and his word was was declaring sinful so right yeah racism is a sin but so is homosexuality so you right, can't right. say you can't have one without the other yeah and you can't claim to be a christian or to hold to the same jesus of the bible that that the same bible by the way that condemns homosexuality and racism right so because, because they use uh, the term racism uh, so, so they don't they use the term racism and they don't use the term homosexuality they use the term homophobia so it's 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 basically if you're racist you're a sinner but then if you disagree with homosexuality then you're a sinner that's the that's the implication here that's completely totally backwards um and then the issue of sexism i would really 
man, I, I would really have to dig into what is this person, how does this person define what is sexism? Because I, I would I would venture to guess that uh, they hold to like a Jory Micah perspective. And if you're not affirming female pastors within the church, then you're a sexist. And um, so, I, I mean, by that false standard, I, I would be, you know, I, I would fall into that category. But again, the, the, but just if you complete- don't hit what the scripture teaches, then, then, you know, doesn't that, doesn't that not really matter? It's basically what it says or what she's saying, because like, you know, so, so racism isn't in the church. It doesn't exist in the church and in, in the true church and in, 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 in Christ's church, the bride. Um, the, you know, it, it got, we, we, we hate sin and we, and we hate those things. And so it's a, it, it really, it's a, they're trying to use this passage as if it if it nullifies uh, God's uh, God's how God is predisposed to these things as they actually are, um, and and they're, and they're using you know the typical tactic of redefining words, um, you know if you like like, the, like like a lot of times you know if you don't agree that there's systemic racism in our in our government then you're a racist um, and you probably don't understand because you're white, uh, which isn't racist to say. You know, if you if you don't agree that um, that men and women are equal in every single way, um, then then you're a sexist. Uh, it, but you you have to throw the scripture off of that. You know, and if you don't if you don't think that uh, that somebody can love somebody however they want to, and you can't judge their love, you know, of course using the scripture, then then you know then you're then you're wrong, and you know because God is only love and not any of His other attributes. Um, and, and the passage doesn't even handle um, sin. It's not talking about Sin is talking about position in, in, in Christ in regards to uh, equality uh, before God um, at, and, and value as opposed to positions um, uh, in, in, in the church and in, in life here. Um, and so, I mean, it's really, it's really simple to say, you know, when, they, when she asks, you know, how much, uh, how come there's so much racism, sexism and homophobia in the church? Um, and the simple answer is there isn't. Right. Well, l- let me. Okay. So, yeah, we. I mean, I- I'm tempted to beat this like a dead horse. But well, I'll just, me, say, I'll well, just say. Hold on. Let me just. Because I actually do have something right. to say. Um, this is exactly how Satan used scripture. Uh, she uses a scripture verse to affirm homosexuality, and to imply that even what I would say. So, uh, homophobia. If you disagree with homosexuality. And, and the lifestyle of homosexuality, then you're a homophobic person. And there's homophobia in the church because we're not embracing these things. And she is then using scripture to say, uh, basically, we're all one in Christ. No, we're not. If you're a practicing homosexual and you're unrepentant, then you are not in Christ. You are in Adam. And this is exactly what satan does he twists scripture he did it with eve he did it with jesus uh this is what false teachers do they use the bible to promote an antichrist agenda carlos what do you have to say well this is taking me all the way back to some of the very first episodes that that you and i did tim and um when we were talking about the lgbt agenda and the lgbt movement and then the way christians or so-called christians who try to uh, make uh, a, a any way, shape, or form 
distinction or difference between the fact that like there's there's just no way <clears throat> or there's just no way that you can defend homosexuality or racism and call yourself a Christian. The problem is that th th that is a it is a gross category error to equate racism with homosexuality and it is a one of the worst displays of you, bad you mean, argumentation uh, hold on, and you, bad you mean, logic. Let me just continue try to explain it because well, then it'll probably make more sense. But okay. I'm just going to make two points. The, the problem with what they're saying is that it is a category error for one thing to, to equate homosexuality with racism. And it is also a, a, a just – it's just like you're only assuming – what you should be trying to prove in the Bible by saying that, uh, by dismissing uh, the fact that homosexuality is uh, is okay, but then at the same time trying to say that racism is not, because if you're trying to use the Bible, they're both wrong. To say that homosexuality is not a sin when it is, or to say that, um, uh, 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 you know, what, what were they also saying? Oh well, yeah, well. To say that um, one is okay when the other is and the other isn't, it's like right, yeah, it's so, just a total mess. And so um, now I will say this though: now you, we do also have to make a distinction between people who are perpetual racist and then and an actual genuine Christian who 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 makes the sin of a racist comment or a racist remark. Or uh, the sin of of having a, a homosexual thought, and then repenting of it later, because it is true. I mean, the church, the even the true church still sins, and so the church can make a believer can can sin, it can make a sinful racist or a sinful homosexual thought or remark or whatever. But if but the, if they repent, then they're okay, because you're repenting, and believers sin, and but you repented. Now, if you if you think it's okay, and if you continue uh, continue to do it, either one of those things, then yeah, you're then you're showing that you're not actually saved. So right, yeah. Um, the only thing that I was gonna say was you kept saying that they're equating racism with homosexuality. They're equating racism with homophobia, not homosexuality. They're affirming homosexuality. Right. So that, that's right. that's and, what and I was trying to... Which is implying... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. I was trying to it's correct implying. you there, but that's fine. Uh, all right, number right. 17. Number 17. Uh, why, when the main message of the Bible is to love one another, that we choose to do the opposite? I may have, I may have butchered that, or maybe it was typed out wrong. Uh, why, when the main message of the Bible is to love one another, that we choose to do the opposite? Um, so I just I threw up again. Yeah, I don't know if okay. So we should love 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 each other. We should love our enemies. But I think the main message of the Bible is to proclaim God's glory and the salvation of His people. And to reveal the the message of the gospel, um, so so the main message of the Bible is is primarily about God. It's not it's not a a moralistic, you know, self help book. Which you know, and then also to love one another. I think that this a lot of times going back to equating disagreement with hatred. 
it's, well, you're not loving me if you disagree with me. And so therefore you have to be affirming my lifestyle in order to be loving me. And you're doing the opposite. That That's, you know, yeah, th that's what I'm getting from that. Well, I mean, just, just to piggyback off of that, um, that so, so, so the main message of the Bible is not about us. I mean, that's what you were getting at. Um, so, so it can't be about us loving one another. Um, now, in Ecclesiastes, it basically says the whole purpose of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. So we know what our purpose is. Um, it, the, Amen. So it, can you just be clear, in case people didn't understand, what is exactly the main purpose and point about the Bible, if you will, Joseph? Uh, so in the simplest sense, uh, the glory of God. God and his glory. Thank yes. you. Not us. God. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, all the part mm. that talks about us, we're we're we don't we, that they they want to leave all that out. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. the part where it talks about we're <laughs> I mean, our heart or, or or wicked and deceitful, like desperately wicked, right? Um, you know, if we do what's right in our own eyes, it's like the the worst thing you could read in the book of Judges. You know, do not trust in your own understanding. We're stupid. Uh, I mean, the, the parts of the Bible that are about us. Are not complementary, um, and so yeah. I don't. I don't think we should hold on uh, to the parts of the Bible that are about us. Um, I, I think that, that God does a, does a does a perfect job in in showing us how how much it's not about us. Um, and and so I think that this is. I mean, it's obviously a distortion of of what the Scripture teaches. It's not. It's a it's a lack of of knowing what the Scripture teaches, and it, it's it it goes back to a version of God that is. Um, only their version of love and, and none of the other attributes, like a, like a, um, uh, you know, just just completely benevolent and and just, you it's know, it's a false god. Yeah, it's a, 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 here's the thing: is that all those words that they try to ascribe to it, whether it be benevolent, kind, loving, um, their their definitions of those words are completely warped. Um, in so much as that, when what they call kind is not kind, what they call loving is not loving, what they call compassionate. Is not compassionate in 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 so much as it violates uh, what God has said about those things. Uh, but they but then they attribute their idea of those things to to God and say, well, why don't you do what God wants? Why don't you love each other? Because that's what it's really about. And and but you know when we proclaim the truth when we call them to repentance and faith, that's considered unloving because we're being all judgy and stuff. And um and and they, but, but they don't know. They don't know God. They don't know the God of the Scripture. You know, they're they're, they're, they're like a hyper dispensationalist that thinks there's a God of the Old Testament and a God of the New Testament. And they're separate ways of salvation um, because they don't know the Scripture. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Or or a Marcionite who would say that the God of the Old Testament was wrathful and and this and that, but then the God of the New Testament was loving and forgiving, and and so it's like as if they were not the same God. So Read Revelation. Um, I'm just going to yeah 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 we we've dealt with this so much that it's just I I just can't stand it and and I'll say this if you say that God is love and then at the same time you ignore the fact that when Jesus said if you actually love me you would keep my commandments and then at the same time if you're going to ignore the fact that the same God and the same Bible also says that homosexuality is unequivocally a sin. What are you What are you talking about? What are you talking about? 
God said, and then and then people, I can't stand it. Like we already, and I know, you know, it's just reminding me of the same stuff that Tim and I talked about with the the the, the LGBT stuff that we talked about in the in our very first episodes. It's like, if you're going to say that God is love, you know, people are saying, you know, implying that you're taking it from First John, right? Because he said God is love and love is of God, right? But then, the same epistle says that to love God is to obey him and his commandments. So, I mean, it's like, I, I don't understand. Well, yeah, they're, they're, they're like, cherry-picking. Yeah, wait, wait till you get to the next question because you're going to be really triggered. Um, oh, boy, so, I can't wait. Yeah, number 18. How come we only talk about – oh, wait, hold on, hold on. How come when we talk about – Hmm. I'm, I may have. I may have. Uh, let, let me let me let me read it because I I wrote it and I remember how it sounds. Um, so how come we only talk about men having several wives in the Old Testament and we say cultural context, but when we talk about marriage today, it's strictly one man and one woman. Oh, man. All right. Well, first of oh, all, oh boy. First of all, if you're saying that uh, polygamy was acceptable because of cultural context, you're wrong. Um, we even see that Solomon, who had what, what was it, 300 wives and 700 concubines, at the no, end. Of, I'm sorry, it was actually the opposite. It was the other way around. No way. It was 700 wives. It wasn't 700 wives. It was yeah, 300 it was wives. 700 wives and 300 concubines. Yeah. I thought it was the other way also. No, it's the other way. It's 300 no. wives and. No. But okay. I mean, it doesn't matter. But yeah. All right, well, hold on. we got to do a little fact check on this. <laughs> um, so at the end of his, I mean, by, by the time he was living like that, he reflect, he, he, he resembled the, the wicked kings that Israel was not to imitate rather than what God had actually ordained from the beginning. Uh, so he was, he was in sin when he... Uh, when he had all these wives and he had all these concubines, that's not what God uh, would have had for him. It, it, nowhere does it affirm that, that that's acceptable. And so to say cultural context, like I, I don't know who this person, obviously this person is, is talking to a, a person who's ignorant of the Bible, who's ignorant of, of these issues, who probably hasn't ever thought deeply about these things, but... Um, it, you should not argue cultural context as a means of dealing with these these passages. What polygamy in the Old Testament was just as much sinful and wrong as it would be today. Um, and the reason, so so talking about marriage uh, as uh, you know, talking about marriage today is is strictly one man and one woman. Uh, they're making a category error because what they're what they're getting at is the issue of homosexuality. I don't think that they're getting at the issue of polygamy. I don't think that this person is is trying to argue for polygamy. I think that they're arguing for homosexuality, which is one man and one man, or one woman and one woman. So they're they're making a category error in uh, I mean in this, but. Um, yeah. Well, even uh, though, you know, and we've already talked about this, Tim. I mean, I know I can, you know, like logically speaking, if you're trying to defend one man and a woman, but also one man and one man or one woman and one woman, 
what's going to stop you or or how are you going to escape the accusation that if you're going to say that what's wrong with saying one wham well i'm sorry one man and a child or or one man and a dog right well, or a man and a a, 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 a a cereal box it's like you can't appeal to the bible and or and when you feel like it and then like like what's your criteria right because you can't appeal to the bible and then and then try to defend the fact that there's there's a man there's there's a woman but wait why not a man and a man and a and a woman and a woman right like you, you there's no way you you can't defend it and then al not allow people to say hey well what if i'm a pedophile like or what if i'm uh, uh you know who like who cares like why why not hey why not you know right right yeah I yeah i'm gonna take a second to say carlos was right oops 700 wives and 300 concubines yeah i figured because he sounded so um confident about that um i didn't even bother to look it up i'm looking up uh, john 14 no matthew oh man it's late i'm tired matthew 19 4 through 5 he he answered them he being jesus uh, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And he said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, not wives, wife, not husband, wife. And they, the two shall become one flesh. So there's your answer as to why nowadays and not and here's the thing it's not just uh so the the question is um uh, but when we talk about marriage today it's strictly one man and one one woman jesus affirmed this two thousand years ago as what was from the beginning it's not just today you know it's not just you know a recent new development there, there's a push to accept homosexuality, so this issue is coming up increasingly more and more today. But um, this person just, oh man, you just need to read your Bible. Like, I'm going to throw um, probably not not too much of a wrench in this. So, so, so the law only explicitly prohibits um, a having multiple wives if you're in a leadership position, um, and we see Paul reiterate this in regards to elders. Um, the the the, so there, there's even a law that, and so this isn't, you know, make it right or good, but there's even a law that says if you have two wives and you prefer one over the other, uh, if you prefer the, the second one over the first one and you have a son with the first one, you give him. Um, so it, there's, there's a law that manages um, having two wives. It doesn't, so, so it's not prohibited. It's not explicitly prohibited in the Old Testament. Um, that, that being said, I think that, um, that, that I, when Jesus uh, clarified in regards to divorce, that it was, that Moses or Moses had had allowed for it because of you because of your, your guys' stubbornness, uh, the hardness the of your hearts. Yeah, yeah. It, it, but but in the beginning it was not so. Um, right. It's the same reason why we can look at Jesus and Matthew and say, well, the design was this and it is good, even though it's not explicitly prohibited in law. Yeah, well, you know, and I know people have a different, like, uh, you know, I, I know polygamy, it's, it's had me, it's it's really grinding my gears uh, more than one time. And, you know, it, it, even now, like, it's like, well, you know, it's pretty interesting. It's an interesting issue. And, 
it's not it's like i remember walter martin talking about it one time when somebody asked him and it's like either way you look at it like polygamy has always been a problem even and and jesus made it very clear like from the beginning god made them male and female and he said one man and one woman and so even and i don't know if you already mentioned this tim but it's like it's funny because you also say when you define a marriage and when god defined a marriage it was one man and one woman and then it's like when jesus said a man shall leave his father singular and his mother singular opposite sex right and people to be fair, to be fair to that statement though uh, i so I, I still agree with you but to be fair to that statement though a man only has one father and one mother you can't you know two women don't birth a child right um, right so 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 but that doesn't necessarily mean that that um that doesn't you know uh, you know the trees green are all trees green so the, a man only has one father and mother actual biological parents but that wouldn't exclude um because you, you've got you know the 12 the 12 sons of, of israel um all had one father and one mother but there were two wives um and so so the, the, I, i'm just talking about the the, the i don't think they, i don't think that can be consistently applied quite that way yeah well i mean either way you look at it polygamy cause problems and that's why we that's why jesus made it very clear uh and i mean it's like okay i know that we're, we're getting i don't want to get too sidetracked into another issue of polygamy but <clears throat> and then maybe we should talk about it when we're also going to talk about uh, mormonism and you know all that stuff but um all i'm saying is that like polygamy was an issue and so yeah god provided laws to regulate it but it's like it was still an issue you know what happened with solomon it's like what what happened with Jacob's wives, you know? It, it's like you have a you have a preference, and then you, it's a, like it's still a problem. Well, so so, so the, the, the still the difference between those is that, um, that Solomon's wives was explicitly sin, because rulers were not to have multiple wives, and that's in the law. Um, that that's that's explicit. So even same with David, right? Although although he acquired uh, most of his wives before he was king. Um, that that was you know and somehow they had a different delineation between wives and concubines and I don't see that scripture actually makes that separation but that's what they called the difference um but um but the there's there was a there was a it, it was explicitly uh, condemned for rulers of the people to have uh multiple wives it, like like the, the, no no two ways about it explicitly condemned um and, and like I said we see that reiteration uh, in, in so much in the new testament when Paul says a man of one wife and, and you're saying that he's talking about uh, elders there? Yes, yes. So now now you want to read that passage as pertaining to elders <laughs> and leaders? <laughs> hey, no, I, 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 before when I, when I said I wasn't, I wasn't arguing that the pastoral epistles only applied to, to, to the pastors because Paul doesn't make a distinction that only these things only apply to pastors. That, that's, okay. that, was, that, was, that was Carlos's uh, side of the argument. But okay, so you would say that they that that would care because it sounds like you're saying that that only applies to uh, the the elders. No, so the the elders can't the, the, the elders can't have more than one wife. I mean that's the that that was that that the, the they, right. They still, but but would that would that apply to uh, uh, basically everybody? Well, no, I would I would say that the that there were still um there were still people that had multiple wives and still people converting that had multiple wives uh, at the time. And Paul Paul said those people can't be elders um that, that that's the argument I would, I would make for that uh the 
I'm not, so, so still, uh, Jesus clarifying um, and making his argument in Matthew uh, would, would make it a very clear that, that polygamy is not right and, and good, and that's not how God designed things. Um, yeah, so I would say that even though there's not an explicit command in the Old Testament um, forbidding this, that this is not what God intended from the beginning, and I agree. therefore therefore, it's not good. Um, yeah, and so thanks for letting me give you a hard time. I, I may have gotten it wrong. I, I forgot who was arguing what side from earlier. We're, but, we're, yeah, we're all we're all against polygamy though. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I yeah, if I want to make it through next week, I'm totally against polygamy. My wife would kill me. Um, so all right. So the next question is, uh, why does having a diverse group of friends make me less of a Christian? Well, um, so what came to my mind was First uh, Corinthians 15, uh, 33, which says, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Or another version would be, bad company corrupts good character. Um, and then also uh, Psalms 1, 1 through 12 says, 1 through, 1 through 2, not 1 through 12, says, um, blessed, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in, at, in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the Lord, is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Um, so, all right, whoever's messing with that, stop it. Um, but, uh, you, you know, it's like, what is, what is, what is a diverse group of friends? If you're if you're saying like you know some of my friends are black, some of my friends are Mexican, then great. Yeah, you should have friends like that. You know, if you're if you're white, if you're Asian, whatever. Like if that's what you mean by diverse, then I don't see a problem with that. But I don't think that that's what's intended. I think that uh, the diversity of the friends is more reflective of you know, probably somebody who's transgender, somebody who's who's openly practicing homosexuality and has a boyfriend. Hey, I, I can hear myself in somebody's uh, microphone. Um, I don't know who it, whose it is, but um, you know, I, I believe that that's the diversity that um, that that would be implied here because that is the diversity that the culture is is currently driving towards that they're that they're wanting to take us into um you know going back to bill nye the science guy's um new show bill nye saves the world and you know there's he does he has a little cartoon skit with ice cream and there's you know there's vanilla and vanilla is really rigid and just you know once vanilla and then there there come all these different flavors you know it's like there's diversity so that's that's kind of the the what I'm picking up from this. Um, I, I I would say that in one sense this isn't a problem at all and it should be encouraged. Um, but in another sense, if uh, you know you shouldn't hang around with people that are openly mocking and defying God because that could be a huge problem. Um, so. I I got you know, maybe like two, like two. Well, one thing to say, and I think this actually leads into the next question. Um, friendship with the world is enmity towards God. Uh, that's what the scripture says. 
Um, and so, and so the, and, and that still leads to the next question, because I mean, the, really the implication is what you say. And the next question states, why does the church consider LGBT Christians less than? Uh, and then saying, I don't remember there being a demographic of people that Jesus considered to be less than, uh, which is not true. Um, but, um, but it's the same idea. It's the same, the, the same, you know, they're, they're diverse friends um, as if there could be LGBT Christians. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Well, I actually. Like, I like your note. Uh, yeah, I'll read that. So, um, so the next question is, as you said, why does the church consider LGBT Christians less than? Well, I think um, I, I said I I do consider them to be reprobate. Um, other than implies other implies better than. So I don't think that I'm better than them. I, I would say that maybe I'm better off because um, you know. I mean, that's just a simple fact. It's like, well, I'm, I'm saved, and you're not saved, so I'm, like, currently, right now, I'm I'm better off than you, but it's not because I'm better than you, but uh, why, why does the church uh, consider LGBT Christians less than? So, the, you know, maybe, maybe some churches consider them to be less than, um, but... I basically the idea is that if you're not affirming them, then you are considering them to be less than. And there's no way that I'm going to affirm the LGBTQ community or those activists or those those people to be actual Christians when they're openly defying God with their lives and and calling what I mean. You know, they're call, what's the verse in uh, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Man, I need to look that up because that is a that is a good verse for this. Woe to you if you are calling evil good and good evil. And that is exactly what this person is doing. Um, so are we still on the friend question? Uh, well, well uh, what's his, uh, Joseph moved down to number 20. Um and he, he basically combined the two. Oh, okay. Because, I, I mean, well, and I was also still a little bit hung up on the, the uh, what do you call it, the, the one we were dealing with earlier or before this. But I want to, I just want to say, like, in addition to referring, I would, you know, referring people to our, our earlier episodes about of the LGBT agenda and when we critiqued the, uh, what's her name, the article, you know, defending Target, defending, you know, should Christians still go to Target or whatever. Um, I also wanted to uh, refer people to an article. Well, it's not an article. It's more of a book review that I did of uh, uh, Gary Wills, What Jesus Meant, because he also tries to defend uh, Christian Christians being homosexuals or saying it's okay because the, the, the condemnations against homosexuality were basically Levitical uh, holiness laws that don't really apply to anybody else. And so uh, it's funny because it's like, well, why do you dismiss those as Levitical laws, but then they completely ignore the passages in, in the New Testament that don't appeal to Leviticus at all, like Romans 1, you know? It's like, it's a horrible argument. Um, it's one of the worst books 
it's one of the worst interpretations I've ever read about the Gospels, by the way. So just be careful with that. You know, you can you can you know check out the book review for on the Bible thumping we know for more details. But I was also gonna say uh, that that um, the definition of a, of a friend. You know, how how do you define a friend? Because a friend, one of the definitions of a friend is a person who is not an enemy or who is on the same side. Isn't that interesting? Draw that, draw that a, a little bit more. So, and it, this also has implications for who you befriend on Facebook. You know, Facebook and social networking has completely destroyed that definition. I, like, what, it, what does it mean to befriend somebody, you know? They've completely ruined that for people, and now it's like people just want to get more friends and more likes and whatever, and it's like I don't care who you are or whatever, you know. It's just like we need to be careful with who we're friends with even on Facebook. Um, and, you know, of course, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier too. It's like, well, um, would you befriend somebody in order to minister to them the gospel of Christ? It's like, well, yeah, I mean, sure. I, mean, I have a friend. I'm friends with somebody who is a Satanist. You know, it's like, well, because I'm 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 ministering to them, I'm sharing the gospel with them. And it's like it's funny because he's actually the most inconsistent Satanist I've ever met in my life. Because it's like, dude, your motto is to live by Christ's two great commandments. It's like, why are you helping people so much? You know? Uh, but you know, I, that's that's my job as a Christian. You know, when you're when you're sharing Christ with them, you're you're pointing these things out to them. So Wait, uh, his his motto is to live by Christ's two greatest commandments. Yeah, but he's a Satanist. Well, because he's oh. always trying to help people. He's always oh, helping okay. people. Yeah, yeah. And he lo and he loves kids too. And it's like, man, you are like a super yeah. inconsistent Satanist. But that that's what we do when we talk to people. You know, we share the gospel and we we do apologetics and we show them these things because a lot of people don't even realize how inconsistent they are, right? Or or just how bad they really are. And that's what, you know, but anyway, like, yeah, you know, I have, you know, I'm acquainted with people who are people, you know, m more, especially with family too. You know, you have family who is uh, very often not a Christian. And so it's like, yeah, we, their family, you should, you probably, I can't trust a lot of family members, but because our true family is the church, right? It's Christians. But that doesn't mean that we can't like minister to people or, or attempt to, uh, uh, love them as our neighbors, right? That's what we should do. So, so I, I hate to, to basically uh, borrow from earlier conversation in, in the way of how we use words, but um, I think it might be important to make the distinction of being friends with and being friendly to. Um, yeah. And so I think we are not to be friends with them. Uh, they are our enemy. Uh, Christ makes that clear. Uh, but we are to love them. And so, so I think that the traditional sense in which an enemy is, is described in, a, in, our, in our normal lives isn't the way we, we, we apply it in how we treat them, how we, how we care for them. Um, you know, referring back to, to what I said earlier, you know, Paul said, you know, if he's hungry, feed him. Um, you know, if he needs clothes, give it to him. These are, we treat uh, enemies uh, differently than the world does. Um, but... Uh, we don't uh, drop the distinction that they're opposition to us. Yeah, we still love them as our neighbor. Yeah. You know, yeah. and love your enemies too, right? So, I mean, yes. um, I would just also add to that that, like, a lot of people probably need to be pruning their Facebook lists of friends, <laughs> you know, because 
you you need to stop wearing Christianity on your sleeve. You know, um, th this is partly why I can't stand Facebook too, because people need to be careful. If you friend somebody who is not a Christian and and people see that on your friends list and it's like, oh, I thought you were a Christian. You're friends with this guy and you they click on their Facebook and then you realize that oh, this guy's like got a bunch of nasty stuff on his profiles. Like. Oh, I, I want to I work against that really briefly, and because because I, I I'm going to disagree with you on that. The the the, the problem uh, with that type, the, okay, what I perceive to be the problem with that type of thinking is is this exactly the way the Pharisees employed Jesus having, and this gets abused a lot, so I'm not using it this way, but the, it, it's exactly the way Jesus, uh, the Pharisees employed against Jesus for being around sinners and tax collectors. Um, and he, and he called, the the the. That somebody being a contact, which is the named as a friend on Facebook, um, does not mean that they're a friend. Um, they're they're conf they're conflating the term. I don't have to. Um, I know that these people are not my friends, uh, but be because it's a means in which to uh, to share the truth, um, them being contacts on theirs is is, is acceptable. I, I still personally consider them friends. Um, but but to, to share uh, my life with them uh, and and the truth with them, um, that, that 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 wouldn't happen. I don't think that you know. I I don't think. I, at least I hope that most people don't confuse the fact that Facebook calling them friends and me, uh, them actually being my friend are the same thing. I think I think that we understand with social media that that's just uh, the designation as opposed to the reality. Well, it's kind of proving my point. I mean, that's exactly what Facebook is trying to do, is trying to eliminate that distinction. And it's kind of, I would say, how is that not hypocritical? Because it's like you're befriending somebody who is not really your friend. That's that's a little bit, you know. And I would also recommend people to check out G. Craig Lewis's teachings on this because he's got some really good teachings on, you know, social media and just stuff in general. But um, that's kind of what I'm saying, like, why and then I might need to review my list again too, because I might be guilty of this as well. It's like, well, why are we befriending these people if they're not really our friends? And especially if we say something about Christianity and they're the first ones to jump on there, on our timeline or whatever, and and go against it. You know, it's like we just something to think about. I, I have um, unfriended people um, in the past just because. Man, everything that they put on their Facebook page was just mocking Christianity. And uh, I tried to reach out to them. I tried to, you know, uh, make a sincere effort to talk to them about the gospel. And they just, they, they really weren't, they didn't care. They didn't, they, they weren't responsive. They weren't, uh, and I didn't want, so I, I use Facebook on my phone. And I did not want uh, my kids being exposed to some of the stuff that they, you know, if, if, if I leave my phone open, like, and my kid, you know, um, opens it or whatever, like, I didn't want them to see it. I, I didn't want to see it. And it's like, man, yeah. so, I mean, just That's promoting, like, promoting uh, homosexuality, taking, like, some, some provocative pictures, men you know, provocative pictures of men. And I'm like, I don't want this on my Facebook feed. And so I'm not really your friend in, in real life. I, so, Hey, like I'm cutting the, uh, I'm cutting the cord uh, right now. But, you know, I think, I think, you know, we could go back and forth in that. So here's, here's what I'm going to do. 
I'm actually just going to – let's just go ahead and end this episode. There's like four or five other questions that I just don't think we're going to get to. Um, I think that this pretty much uh, – you know, we've gone through this, and this pretty much shows that, look, this type of thinking is, I think, what is wrong with cultural Christianity uh, in America today. And I would say that this this is not – when the Bible says to render every thought captive to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and I think 2 Corinthians 10.5, this is not doing it when you think like this. And uh, and I, I want to just end end by, by pointing out two things uh, with this last question. I'm going to read it again. Uh, why does the church consider LGBTQ Christ, LGBT Christians less than? Um I, I want to throw this out there uh, for for people to to think about. First Corinthians five eleven, it says, reading from the English Standard Version, but now I am writing to you, not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother, if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. So to bear the name of brother is, is somebody who is professing to be a Christian and they are guilty of sexual immorality, greed, idolatry, reviler, drunkard, swindler. Um, Paul says not to associate with them, and he says not even to eat with one with, with such a one. So a person who is who is an LGBTQ Christian is is one who is professing to be a brother. And they are guilty of idolatry. They are guilty of sexual immorality. And we have a clear command from Scripture not to associate with them and not to even eat with, with one such as them. And, you know, we, we can we can talk about what that, what that looks like. You know, that doesn't mean if they say hi, you ignore them. You know, you definitely want to preach the gospel to them. You want to look for opportunities like that. But you don't associate with them as though there's nothing wrong. Uh, you you don't associate with them as as though they are a friend. And then the other thing that I want to just end on is going through this whole this little video that's only like about two minutes long, and we've made two episodes about it. Uh, is Isaiah five? I, I want to just point out Isaiah five twenty which says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So woe to these professing Christians who are making a case for an antichrist agenda, who are very subtly uh, promoting what is anti-Christian. Woe to them because they are they are confusing what is good with what is evil. They are putting light for darkness and darkness for light. And um, and look, if there's anything that's frightening in the scriptures, it's the woe passages. You better watch out. You you better repent um, and and get right with God because uh, this this is serious stuff. When God says woe to you. Uh, you're you're you better buckle up. You're in a world of hurt, you, uh, and and you desperately need to repent. So, um, I think that these people, I think they're in a dangerous place, uh, speaking spiritually. 
the the guy, the, uh, Chris, uh, John Christ, the the guy that everybody likes, that everybody's sharing his videos. He's a comedian. He's funny. He's Christian. You know, I, I, I was I was thinking, well, maybe maybe he just submitted his questions and he he didn't you know he wasn't there for some of the other questions that were asked and I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt but the videos out there he's attached to it and if something if 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 I was part of that and and I saw you know I submitted some questions and then I saw some of the other questions that were just leading to an antichrist agenda I would I I would say look take me out of that video I don't I want nothing to do with it I would put out my own response to it but I've not seen him do that. So, you know, this guys he's got like a million hits on his, um, you know, Church Hunters uh, YouTube video. I I don't really think he's that solid, to be honest with you. And I think that, you know, um, yeah, you know, it's like he's funny and a lot of people are his fans. A lot of Christians are his fans. But, you know, I think that you need to be a little bit more discerning with what you like and what you share on Facebook. So... That's my piece. If you guys have any uh, final final thoughts on any of the stuff that uh, that I've said that we've talked about, um, you know, I'd love to hear it. So I'll I'll give you guys the floor. I'll just say real quick that you know that kind of thinking is very self-serving and sinful, and uh, it's not that hard to see once you start reading the actually reading the Bible to show how utterly at odds it is with the Bible. So we would invite people who agree with this perspective to simply read the Bible, you know, start with the Gospel of John, Romans, the book of Acts. I mean, you just read the New Testament, and it's not very hard to see how utterly at odds this kind of thinking and mentality is. Is, is it's, a, it's completely opposed to the God of the Bible, and you can't claim to have the God of the Bible uh, on, on the things that you want and not the other things that you don't want. So, I mean, that, that just means that you're serving the God of your own creation and not the God of the Bible. So... We would encourage them to read it, uh, repent, and believe the gospel of Christ. That's in the Bible alone. Yeah, and one of the one of the questions was, um, you know, how do you how do you say you're not, um, or how can you, how can you judge my relationship with God? Um, scripture tells us how. Um, so just to reiterate. Um, we don't. We don't just say uh, scripture alone. We don't say uh, sola scriptura uh, flippantly. Um, uh, the word of God, God's words, are our authority. Um, you can't, uh, in the same breath, although you may try, you may utter the words, but you can't actually, in the same breath, say that uh, that you follow Christ, who is God, and you and you don't follow his words because he said that's impossible you can't um and so just you know at the end of the day um although we have very strong uh, feelings and opinions um which are biblically informed in regards to um specific people we've talked about um in so much as uh we referencing the homosexuals uh, racists um you know swindlers um the the, the the, our our prayer is is ultimately that you repent and believe. Uh, we care for you. Uh, we we say these things not because we um, are uh, have a gross hatred towards you, but because we love you and we we want uh, you to to believe the truth uh, that you may not uh, suffer the just punishment, the right punishment for your sins, which is eternal 
condemnation. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, guys, I want to say thank you for coming on today and helping me out with this episode. Uh, it's super late where we're at. I know I know it's late where you're at, uh, Joseph, but not as late. So lucky you. You get an extra hour of sleep. Um, I will give you uh, Okay. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, that's going to be it for us this week. And we want to say thank you to our listeners. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, uh, email us at semper.reformanda.radio at gmail.com. Uh, God bless and have a, a great week. <laughs>